Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I talk about the concept of turning loose in horses, as well as share the story of a little mare who never could turn loose. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the concept of turning loose, what that means for a horse. And I'd like to tell you the story of a very special mare who could not turn loose and what that meant for her and the consequences of that. So first, uh, from my perspective, turning loose doesn't mean that a horse becomes completely submissive or is in some way kind of broken down in spirit. Uh, Turning loose to me means that when a horse has sort of softened to you, they're with you mentally and physically. And if you've been working with a horse that maybe has had some braces or maybe has had some less than ideal experiences and they're not sure if they trust you, they're not sure about these new things that perhaps you're trying to teach the horse, there can come a moment where the horse if you've been good with your timing and understanding when to release for the slightest try, where the horse will, will sort of relax mentally and, and what we call turn loose to you will, will actually be open and receptive to allowing you to guide him through the next process together. And so it's a little bit more of a subtle thing. I think when I first heard that term, Back in the day, I assumed it meant that the horse simply acquiesced to you, would do whatever that you wanted it to do and not really take part in it. But it is different. It's really the horse puts his trust in you completely. And it's a a very moving thing. And it's also something that happens almost every day in quiet, quiet ways that maybe sometimes people don't notice. But I've always really appreciated that when a horse has done that. It always has felt very personal to me. And, uh, and I've always been honored when a horse does that. Most horses do turn loose and it's an important part of the relationship that they have with people. And um, I only met one horse so far in all the time I've been working with horses who simply could not turn loose at all. I didn't know that when I first met her and she certainly didn't seem like the kind of horse who, on the surface anyway, who would not be able to turn loose. For one thing, she was very petite. She was a very pretty, almost dainty little mare. And she had been a, a racehorse, a very successful racehorse. She was what we call a war horse. She had retired from the track at a much later age, nine or 10 years old. And she had run a huge amount of races during her career, over 140. And I think I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I'm pretty sure that that is the most races I've ever seen in a horse or ever heard of a horse doing. I'm sure there are other horses that have run more than her, but that was definitely at the time that I was working with her, the most experienced racehorse I had ever met. This mare's barn name was Ellie, and Ellie had had a reputation at the track of being a real dragon. Again, even though she was kind of tiny, she was like maybe 15-1, maybe 15-2 hands, and very sort of petite, you know, looked like a, like I said, a dainty horse. Um, But she had that kind of, you know, incredible heart, very competitive. And she was known for being a dragon at the track a bit. She would be tough to gallop, and she was very determined little mare. And obviously, she was a really good racehorse. But eventually, 
all careers at the track have to come to an end. You can't race until you're 20. And she did retire. And she eventually came to me and I began to work with her through LOPE, the racehorse adoption charity that I've worked with for many years on and off. And uh, the first thing that I noticed about her was that uh, she was very, uh, she was very particular, like she was very almost aloof, like she really made a decision whether or not you basically passed her, her test, that did you meet the standard to hang out with her. And I, I appreciate that in a horse. Uh, she was very similar to a cat in that regard, you know how cats sort of choose you, choose whether or not you are allowed to be in their presence. Um, she was kind of like that. She seemed like a very honest mare to me too. She really kind of always knew what Ellie was thinking. She was pretty, pretty clear about that. But uh, after a few weeks, she, she showed, started to show very troubling behavior. She started to rear and strike when you would lead her. Uh, she would be very agitated around other horses, even leading her by another horse's pasture, even though there was a fence in reasonable distance between her and that fence and the horse on the other side of the fence she would become extremely aggressive and defensive all at the same time. And it was impressive. And it was something that uh, was extreme from my perspective. So we had the vets out to look at her and see what was going on. And it took a few months to diagnose it properly. Uh, there was clearly some kind of a hormonal imbalance. So she was put on regiment to kind of help her with that. But that did not entirely do away with the symptoms. So ultimately it was discovered that she had kind of an anomaly in her ovaries, a form of, I guess it was almost like a form of tumor was what it was replicating. And because of that, she would produce extremely large follicles. And this was just creating a lot of pain and discomfort for her, as well as incredible hormonal imbalances, you know, huge shifts. So she was essentially very uncomfortable all of the time. And then she was having you know, wild variations in her hormonal levels. So she was essentially behaving at times like a very troubled stallion who was also in pain, which is not a lot of fun to be around. I just have to tell you on the ground, she could be pretty epic on the ground. It wasn't personal. She wasn't trying to uh, deliberately uh, hurt someone. Uh, if she ever decided she wanted to do that, she would be quite good at it, but she never was really trying to do that. She just was incredibly uncomfortable and she was having this supercharged hypersensitivity, hyperreactiveness due to the hormonal imbalances. So it was an unusual situation. It was also combining with her rather dragon-like character that was already present. And again, her dragon character was in some ways one of the best things about her. She had so much, like I said, competitive fire and spirit. She was very independent. She was, very, she was a little bit of a tough mare, but she was a very honest mare too. And those mares are always the best kind of horses. If they decide that they want to be with you, you, could, you can't have a better teammate all the way around. It's going to take a while to develop that relationship, but it's always worth it. So I appreciated that part of her personality, even though it wasn't maybe the warmest and fuzziest kind of personality in a horse. And I really felt for her. I knew even in her most extreme moments, uh, when she was being very, very difficult to handle and, and to some degree dangerous, I knew it wasn't personal. As I said, I know that she was uncomfortable and she was trying to fight like she fought at the track. She was trying to fight what was making her so uncomfortable, but she couldn't, she couldn't fight it because it was coming from within her. She didn't understand.
All she knew to do was to keep fighting. And again, as I said, she was supercharged with all of this hormonal power that was just so uncomfortable for her. The diagnostics for Ellie took several months. We did a very painstaking, careful study of her, of her pattern of when certain behavior would get worse. We did a series of ultrasounds through the veterinarians who sponsored her at the time. They were incredible with her. And we got this extremely accurate reading of what was going on. And the conclusion that the veterinarians came to after trying to rule out all the options was that she needed to have her ovaries removed. Now, this is not a surgery that anybody would do lightly, especially the charity who who had her at the time. But again, this was a special horse, a very special mare. You know, look at how much she had won at the track. She was fierce. She was, she retired sound. You know, she was just one of these great, great little dragon racehorses. And we wanted to do the right thing for her. So the organization raised money for the surgery, which was, you know, quite expensive. And typically how it's done is it's a standing surgery. And, uh, you know, we're there in stocks and so forth, and it's done, you know, very carefully that way. However, during all of the time that she had been going through the different ultrasounds and, and all of the different testing, she had had to be sedated many times for those, those tests, not because they were painful, they were just somewhat invasive, you know, and, um, and basically she was very difficult to sedate and, uh, even though she was tiny, it took an enormous amount of sedative and a very delicate mix to get her in the right stage of kind of twilight where she was uh, steady enough that she could stand up in the stalks, right? But also not so alert that she could kick or hurt someone. And whenever she was sedated, Ellie would really get a strong kick reflex going. She was incredibly fast and she was incredibly accurate with her aim, which was always disturbing. Again, she's not necessarily trying to hurt someone. She's just trying to get something to stop. And she also incredibly intelligent mare. She, she very quickly figured out which of the vets was actually, you know, the one that was in charge of the operation. She would be the most upset with that vet. I mean, just again, kind of an eerie, eerie little mare in terms of her intelligence and, just extreme sensitivity to things. So looking at the prospect of trying to remove her ovaries using the standing surgery, that really gave the veterinarians pause because they didn't think they would be able to keep her sedated for long enough and safely enough to do that procedure, which is fairly difficult and delicate all at the same time. So they decided to do an unusual approach, which was to put her under general anesthesia and do, then do the removal of the ovaries while on the surgical table. This was entirely done because of the unique nature of this mare and how she reacted to sedation. And as I said, they'd become very familiar with how quick her feet were, even when she had the equivalent of, you know, you know, probably about five or six margaritas, she was still, she could still be pretty accurate with those back feet. And so that was what was decided. And uh, we were like, all right, I mean, it's, you know, it's unusual, but let's do what's best for the mayor. And the organization raised a little more money so we could do the general anesthesia. It was actually a lot more money. And the day came to go ahead and do that. And they put her under and they put her on the table. And unfortunately, 
she happened to have a lot of gas in her abdominal area. Just one of those things. And they could not accurately find the ovaries. There was too much, uh, again, distension once they got inside. And they realized, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to get this done safely. And so they, they ended the surgery and, uh, and put her into the recovery area to recover from anesthesia. Now, those of you who've ever had a horse go into surgery or have witnessed a surgery, you know that the most dangerous part of the surgery is when the horse wakes up from the anesthesia. Usually they're put into a very uh, a safe possible, a safest possible space. Usually it's a, literally a padded cell. And they're usually alone, but their vets are watching them from a safe you know, proximity, either through a window or just outside the door. Because sometimes when horses come out of the anesthesia, they're scared, they're groggy, they're not quite sure what's going on, and they can have a strong reaction. And they're also, of course, not very stable on their feet. So a horse that's scared, not very stable on its feet, and groggy, this is can be a combination that's dangerous, even if the horse isn't intending or trying to be dangerous. It's just they could have a panic response, essentially. Well, when Ellie came out of, out of the general anesthesia, she had a reaction that was the most extreme and the most dangerous that the veterinarians had ever seen. She was violent in, in the recovery stall and she was absolutely unapproachable. I mean, it would have been, I mean, not to be melodramatic, but they would have been risking their lives to go in there with her. They really weren't sure if she was going to be able to even recover all the way out of there. They thought that they might have to go in and, and, euthanize her at some point, but she did make it through. I visited her the next day and you could just tell that she was, you know, not, not at all part of the program in terms of, of feeling comfortable. Obviously she was physically uncomfortable post-surgery. And this was the type of surgery that did not have a large abdominal incision, just to make this clear, because normally this is a standing surgery. This is a, a very different type of incision process. So she didn't have a full abdominal, you know, a scar like you would, a incision like you would if it was a colic surgery, but she was uncomfortable in general. And she also um, was extremely angry. Every time the surgeon, like she heard the surgeon's voice in the vet clinic, she would pin her ears. I mean, she was just like, she took that personally. Like she knew that that was the person, right? So I talked to the veterinarians and they were like, we've never seen anything like that. And we don't think we can, we can try the surgery again. We just don't think we can do it. Um, she was so dangerous coming out of there. And I was like, okay, so what, are there any other solutions? And they're like, well, we want to think about it. We might want to try a standing surgery. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a good idea. I mean, it was already pretty clear she couldn't do the general and they had already ruled out the standing surgery. That's why they had decided to do the general, but they, they thought about it. And these veterinarians are incredibly heroic and they really wanted to help her. And they decided to try for a standing surgery too, several weeks later. And, uh, essentially, they could not, they could not sedate her even then. I mean, they had the best anesthesiologists in the practice there. They really, I can't tell you how much this vet practice wanted this mare to be, to be comfortable, to be able to help her. She had gathered quite a fan base. Everybody respected her for her ferocity, but also because you could tell how intelligent she was. You could, you, you just really, this is a mare that brought out that respect and admiration. You just really appreciated it. And she didn't really uh, 
allow people to help her much, but you still wanted to help her. You really wanted to help her. And the same thing happened to standing surgery. They just could not, they could not keep her in, in the right level of sedation. She fought it so hard and what it would take to actually make her finally go completely under, she would be essentially unable to stand. So, um, what it came down to really is that you could say that this was a physical anomaly of the mares, that she could not take sedation. But in my experience, usually horses, they do have a form of, of character, right? Just like people do. And like people, they can fight things to a point, even when it's for their own best interest, where they are essentially you're unable to help them. And I do believe that with this particular mare, it wasn't simply a physical anomaly with the sedation. I think because of who this mare had been and how her character had been, it was very difficult for her to yield completely to anything. And the sedation, she fought it absolutely all the way. And physiologically, as you know, most people, um, if you're fighting things, often medications don't work quite the same way. You can essentially defy medical odds if you are completely engaged from sort of a mental and emotional point of view in fighting something. And this mirror really fit into that category. Yes, she had very unusual hormonal imbalances. She had ovarian anomalies that affected her whole metabolism, but she was tiny. You know, like I said, 15, one, 15, two. And, uh, the sedation should have really not been a problem, but she just fought it so much with her mind. She fought it tooth and nail. And at the end of the day, um, ultimately after months of trying other therapies, we tried different types of almost physical therapy, trying to see if we could get her more comfortable. We had to euthanize her because she simply could not be sedated and treated. The very last bit of bad luck that she had was she had a broken tooth, a fractured tooth. And, uh, and it was becoming painful and the vets knew they could not sedate her enough to actually remove and pull the tooth. And we just, we couldn't take any more. We just couldn't, we couldn't see her suffer anymore. She was going to suffer now with a broken tooth. It was going to gradually get worse and abscess. She was already still uncomfortable from the ovarian anomalies. And so she was euthanized. And it all got back to the inability to be sedated, the inability to, to actually turn loose mentally and physically. I heard from a vet tech, and I've also heard from other veterinarians, that a lot of times um, when horses come in for surgery, particularly horses that maybe are a little bit pushy or known to be very dominant, a lot of times after they've come through a general anesthesia and they've come out of that successfully, those horses are changed a little bit. Uh, they usually tend to get a little more balanced and, and less pushy. There's more of a, a calmness about them. And I think this goes back to that concept in, in horsemanship where it's the idea of laying a horse down. Now, I think that's been popularized a little bit in popular culture, and it gets kind of glossed over. Um, I think in reality, it's a very subtle thing. It's a very gritty thing too. You have to know how to carefully execute that in a way that the horse is safe, but that the horse also goes down and you have to not treat it like kind of a, just a, a, a party trick. Like it's a very significant thing to a horse to lay that horse down. And I think that that tracks a lot with 
the experience that the average horse has when it's coming out of general anesthesia, it must be in that state, at least in the moment, where it thinks it's been laid down by a force greater than itself and it doesn't understand. And most horses are able to deal with that, but this mare could not. And so I, I know this sounds like a sad story, and I guess to some extent it is, but at the same time, um, you still have to admire just the mental capacity of one small mare to only, only live on her own terms and to not acquiesce, not yield, even though it was ultimately what cost her her life. At the same time, we have to remember too, as people, that sometimes we fight things tooth and nail that really might be to our benefit, or at the very least, if we could temporarily surrender and absorb the experience, let's say in just for this year, most people have already had to experience that with the pandemic, that that's really the way to sort of expand our capability, expand our ability to adapt to things and to grow and evolve. So uh, the little mayor Ellie, you know, at the end of the day, she taught many veterinarians. She taught many interns that were working for the charity. She certainly taught me a lot. Um, and in many ways, she ended up doing so much more good in the world. It's just unfortunate that she could not uh, be with us still because of that one kind of extreme element in her character, combined with the bad luck of a physical anomaly that required surgery. So I hope you've uh, learned a lot from listening to Ellie's story. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful day and thank you for listening. 